We've talked a lot about the opioid crisis on this show uh, over the past eight, nine months. Thousands of deaths, of course, a tragic story that has now been unfolding in this country for years. We've talked and talked and talked about the many ways, many ways to try to tackle the opioid and overdose crisis in this country. More money, safe supply, supervised consumption, decriminalization, all ideas that should, are, and will be explored. But there are other ways, too, more direct ways to make an immediate difference. And sometimes that involves seeking out those who are vulnerable, the most vulnerable, those in trouble and helping. Angie Staines leads a group of volunteers that patrols the streets in Edmonton. They hand out snacks, water, and clean needles. They also carry oxygen and naloxone, a drug that reverses overdoses, meaning they quite literally and do save lives. They're called the 4B Harm Reduction Society, and the name will provide a hint of what inspired the work in the first place. And Angie Staines, founder of the 4B Harm Reduction Society, joins me now. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Thanks for having me. So tell me a bit about, about where this all started. I know that you have a, a nursing training, um, but when did you start, just, when did you decide to start patrolling the streets of, of your town and, and looking to help? Um, it was just over a year ago when the heat wave hit uh, Edmonton. Uh, it was really warm, and, and I went out and was handing out water um, just because I, I couldn't see... I couldn't imagine what it was like for for this community to not have access to just things we take for granted. Um, so, so it's been just over a year now that I've been doing this. And tell me about the the four B, uh, because I, I gather there's there is a story behind the name. Yeah. So four B um, B is my son. Um, he is a substance user. He's been using for over ten years now. Um, he was in East Hastings uh, for a while, and and he is now back in the Edmonton area. Um, and just witnessing the the struggles he went through, and the stories he would tell me, and and just seeing some of the the challenges he had to face. Um, that's why I do it. It's it's always for for him. So I try and. Remember that people out here, these are everybody's sons and daughters and mothers and fathers. And I, I just try and respect that and, and keep him in my heart and, and many others as I walk with my team. So what is an average night? I mean, I guess there's, there's, every night must be a little bit different, but what does it usually look like when you head out and, and what are you looking for? And I guess you talk to people and, but what is yeah. a, what does a night look like for your team? So we, we are, are very mobile. We just carry what we can carry on our backs. So we all have backpacks and uh, medical bags. Uh, and we just head out on foot. And we try and go into the places where, where people aren't, where people are kind of hiding their, their substance use. And, and, and that's where a lot of the times we'll find them experiencing, experiencing a drug poisoning. So the alleys and stairways, um, LRTs, uh, we just try and watch kind of the patterns of, of where the poisonings are happening. And, and really it's just, you know, we hand out safer use supplies, like you said. Uh, we have snacks and, and water usually, uh, naloxone kits. We also have, um, uh, uh you know, we have medical supplies to just help people. But it's also about having conversations with people and, and just 
hearing the stories and, and, and understanding the reality and, and just hearing them because um, I don't think they feel very heard. And it's just trying to make that connection and just let them know that there's people that care. And it's, there's a lot of stigma out here um, and judgment. And we just really try and practice radical acceptance and just meeting people where they're at and with no judgment and just standing with them. I would imagine that on a given day, you might be the nicest conversation some have. Yeah, and sometimes it's just a hug or a smile. And, you know, over the past year, I've been able to um, really, uh, you know, build some relationships so people recognize us and they, they look out for us. And yeah, it's, it's, it can be a really positive experience, too. It, it, it does fill your cup as well. I mean, we keep seeing, um, I mean, I'm in Victoria, so there's problems here. You know, obviously, BC declared an opioid crisis many years ago now. I mean, think back yes. in 2015, so it's been a long time. Uh, yeah. Things don't seem to be getting much better. What are you seeing on the streets of Edmonton? Is it getting worse? Oh, it's absolutely getting worse. Uh, there's there's a noticeable number more people out here. Uh, the the sub- drug supply is constantly evolving and more potent and uh, more dangerous. We're seeing harder to reverse poisonings. We're, you know, it's 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 not a it's not a great place to be, and it's not getting any better. Not not by a long shot. I mean, you do save lives, right? I understand you're, you've saved your sons. I mean, you've revived many people. What is that like? How do you how do you even tell that it's time? when you see somebody that, that, Oh, that, that person needs, that person needs help. We have protocol we follow. So we make sure that they, they are experiencing a poisoning. We, we monitor their pulse oxygen and, and, and making sure that if, if they need it, then we react, but we do also don't want to give them naloxone when they're just down and, you know, having the experience of the drugs they're taking, so we try and honor that too. That's harm reduction because I don't know what they had to do to get that that supply. So it's it's really respecting that too, and then respecting their right to use uh, just safely, and and hopefully keeping them safe. I mean, there must be nights that that you would rather just put your feet up. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Absolutely. You know, my family, my family takes one for the team absolutely and i so appreciative of that because this is really important to me i i can't sit back and just watch watch people suffer like they are and and be treated the way they are um it's just it's it's wrong and it does need to change and we need some systematic change we need some we need to start you know you, you did say we were a lot of talk, but there's not a lot of action. And, uh, you know, we can talk about recovery and, and everything else, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a very complex issue. And, and really all it really is about is just making the connection with people and making sure they're safe um, and giving the autonomy to make the choices they want to make. Because in the end, it's, it's their choice. How do you think your personal experience with it through your son has allowed you to approach this in a way that seems 
at, at, at the same time, very empathetic, but also quite practical and quite, you know, I, I, I see what the problem is. I'm going to go fix it, or at least I'm going to try to do what I can do to make it better where it has to be made better, which is right on the streets. Yeah, I mean, uh, my son once told me he was tired of people um, crossing the street when they saw him coming, that that hurt him. And that made me really sad. And that was one of the things that pushed me to do what I do. Um, just reducing that stigma, that, that stigma is at the root of everything. And, and watching my son experiencing that stigma as a substance user has, is, is really heartbreaking because he's my son and I love him. And, uh, you know, he has his struggles, um, but he's also fighting a system that isn't really helping. And uh, <clears throat> so really just trying to honor honors people and, and the choices they make and just making sure people are safe. Like that really, to me, is what it's about. And just and bringing some dignity where there isn't a lot of dignity right now. Um, but yeah, yeah he, he drives everything I do, and that's why it's 4B. Yeah, the, the I mean, what would you say to parents? I mean, as you pointed out, every single one, every single person you deal with has probably has a mother or father somewhere, right? What do you yeah. tell them about about accepting the struggles? Because I know just from having read about your about about your experiences that this can't have been easy. This has always been a struggle, right? Yeah, um, no, and a it's child, not, yeah. yeah, I didn't. It's not something I just came into. I, I had to learn. I had to to. To understand, I didn't understand harm reduction when this first, uh, you know, everything first started. I was told, you know, he needed the 12 steps. And so I thought I was listening to experts. But then I realized that that wasn't helping. That That's not what he needed, um, you know. And so really, for me, it's it's a way I have a relationship with my son. And it's it's respecting him and loving him unconditionally. Which, you know, I know it's hard for parents to watch their kids. It's not easy. There's days where it is absolutely devastating. It It is a living nightmare, you know. Reversing your own child's overdose is, is hard to explain. And you're not, uh, it's nothing you can prepare for. But, you know, also I've given him... I know he will turn to me when he, he is ready or if he chooses so. I, I'm his safe space and having that relationship is important. Um, if, and, I, and it's important for both of us and we still, and I'm able to have somewhat of a relationship with him and, and I, I just need to be the unconditional love that he needs right now. He's, you know, he's not well and, and he's got enough on his plate. So I'm not going to sit and judge. And in the in the process, you've also saved the sons and daughters of other parents, which is, yes, yeah. you know, in of itself remarkable. Um, I'm speaking with Angie Stain. She's founder of the 4B Reduction Harm Reduction Society. Uh, she and a team will patrol the streets, essentially walk around on the streets of Edmonton uh, most nights, helping people uh, who are experiencing uh, either just anybody who illicit drug users, but also those who are experiencing uh, toxic drug overdoses and so on. And just talking about uh, the inspiration to be there, her son, Brandon. And when we talk, come back, we'll talk a bit more about just what, I mean, you're right down seeing this uh, every day. What needs to be done? What could we possibly do 
to try to start to solve this because it feels like we've been talking about it for seven years. Lots of people have lots of good intentions, but it feels like nothing is quite working. We can't keep up with the supply or we can't keep up with what's on the streets amongst other problems. We'll talk about that after this. We're speaking with Angie Staines. She's founder of the 4B Harm Reduction Society. They're a group of volunteers who uh, walks the streets of Edmonton at night, helping people out, helping people uh, using illicit drugs out, also saving lives as well, which is part of uh, the work, unfortunately, these days, if you walk those streets. Uh, Angie said earlier that really it's gotten worse, and, and, and that's not encouraging, is it? I mean, we felt like seven years into this crisis, maybe we could see some light at the end of the tunnel, but it doesn't feel that way. I mean, you, you have such a unique perspective of how this is unfolding. What needs to be done? What can be done, even in the short term, to try to at least make some progress? Well, you know, it's definitely a loaded question. Um, mm-hmm. I would say we need to get a handle on the drug supply. We need a regulated supply to stop what's going on and, and how these drugs are changing and getting more potent. We need, to, we need to decriminalize and get these people out of the cycle that they're in. We need We need mental health supports. And we need... You know, we need things like detox on demand. Um, there's no, I'm not against recovery at all. I think harm reduction and recovery can, can be in the same room together. But we have to stop putting our expectations on these people um, of, of what, what they should be doing and, and let them lead that. But the, the services need to be there and, and long wait lists and, and a poison supply is, you know, it's not helping, um, but we we really do need a lot more help. But decriminalizing and and getting a regulated supply would be my first my first thing because we need to stop people from dying. We need to stop talking about it. We're always you know we've been talking about this for seven well, many years, and uh, we we got to stop the talking and we've got we've got to see some real action. Because people are losing their lives, and and I'm personally tired of watching people die. I'm 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 tired of watching my child suffer. Um, you know, it's when there has been opportunities that when he's felt like he needed help, the help was not there. Uh, so it's you know um, we really do need to make a lot of changes. We really do, but we have to stop the people dying first. That that would be my number one thing. Do you get the sense that, that a lot of there's just a lot of ignorance about what exactly is going on, just how potent yeah. and how addictive these drugs are, just how devastating they are, that people yeah. don't understand that it's not like it was 20 years ago or 15 years ago? Oh, no, it's it's not like it was even when I was in high school in the 90s. Like, this isn't just an inner city problem. You know, you, you can't experiment like you used to. Um, there's a, It's in everything. Sentinel. Uh, is in a lot of drugs, a lot of counterfeit drugs. You know, um, it's and if people people don't think it, it can affect them, they're they're sore. They're they will be wrong because it's um, it can affect anybody. And and I think really educating yourself on what decriminalization actually means. It's not a free for all. You know, either is a, a regulated supply. Really, really learning about that. I think that educating yourself on what that actually looks like and talking to the experts, you know, reading the papers the, and really just understanding what people need. Cause it feels like even now, um, 
we take baby steps, right? Even de the decriminalization effort that will be going on in British Columbia is still seen as not enough because the quantities are too small. Yeah. That there's yeah, always the this touch, this push and pull. Anywhere yeah, the threshold. Yeah. No, and the research is out there. It, it, people just avoid it because it's, you know, either it doesn't directly affect them or they're, they're just offended by the thought of people using drugs. Um, but people use drugs for many reasons, you know, um, and it, it just it's unfair to put our expectations on people, but also watch them die um, you know, there's just yeah, no point to it. Yeah. It's all these needless deaths. And you've seen, you've seen, I'm, I'm sure, far too much of it already. What will you do? Will you continue to do this for as long as it's needed? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not stopping. I, I, I can't, I can't stand by and watch people suffer like this. Um, it's just not right. That's the bottom line. It's not right. I, I I wish people understood how serious this is and that, you know, these people they're not bad people. They they just need help and, and we need to we need to treat them like human beings. What about you, though? I mean, you know, I, I would never imagine we would live in a place necessarily, and, and this is naive, where we would have to rely on the love of a mum to revive people having drug overdoses on our streets. I mean, it's just not, it's, it's a lot to ask of anybody, let alone someone like just one person out there or one team of volunteers out doing this work. Yeah, I think it's pretty unfair to put that expectation. I think people in government need to open their eyes to the fact that, you know, they're, they're making all these decisions, but it's groups like mine and many others that are, are trying to hold it together. And it's, it feels like a losing battle at this point. Um, you know, I'm I'm tired of watching friends lose their children. I'm I'm tired of watching community members die. I'm, I, it's 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 maddening. They need to stop talking about it, and they need to do something substantial and now, because it's it's not it's not going to fix itself. And these little steps and and continuous chatter about it is is just not sufficient. Well, Angie Staines, thank you so much for sharing your story uh, with me tonight. Um, good luck with the work. I can't imagine just the, the sheer weight of what it is that you encounter each and every night, but someone has to do it. So I'm Thanks glad for having you... me on. You're, you're very welcome. Have a great night. You too. Bye.